We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Go back to bed. You know you're not supposed to be up and around. Is the mother... Uh, Rosemary. Shut up. Rosemary. Shut up. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 146. Here's a Boo Crew fright fact. In 1979's Alien, the blue laser light in the egg chamber was actually borrowed from the band The Who. If you enjoy the show, please rate and write us a review on Apple Podcasts, and we will read your review at the top of the show. Whether you like it or not, you're probably getting bored of this, are you? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's fun. It's fun. Yeah? <laughs> well, we love doing it. Yeah. I don't know if anyone likes That's listening true. to They're it. They're like... I'm noticing the reviews are slowing down. I'll just say that. (laughs) Right. All right. First one in. Please stop reading the review. No. No. Leo's got one for us. Go, go, man. (laughs) This one comes from Jagro. Every day is Halloween. My yearn for anything horror is delivered weekly through this podcast. I love the interviews they conduct and the guests that come in. Keep up the great work because it brings Halloween faster during the year. Can it be Halloween every day? Leave it to the boot crew to do it. He rates it five stars. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I really wish it could be Halloween. I mean, I guess it's Halloween every day if you let it into your heart. That's beautiful. <laughs> that be on a, a freaking card. This is, yeah, that's Christmas. <laughs> no, that's Halloween. I, I agree. You know what? Halloween lasts longer than the Christmas season, if you ask me, right? That's it starts, true. It starts now. Really now. Yes. Right? Now you yeah. go into the store, yeah. if you if you can go into a store, but uh, you're getting the, the catalogs in the mail, right? From Grandin yeah. Road, they're releasing their Halloween stuff. Spirit Halloween showing some of the stuff they got coming up. Did you see that life-size Krampus they got? Oh, yeah. I saw it. <laughs> Leo, did you see it? Yes. Yeah, oh, my God. It's we a need thing to get one. Every day I'm like, do I buy it? Now, do you do stick that it? out at Christmas or you stick that out at Halloween? You stick it out all year round. Mm-hmm. Both. Correct answer. Scare the kids from Halloween to Christmas. That's right. All right, Lauren, you got the next one. Who do we got? Jeff, AD87. Time for this boogeyman to boogie. Absolutely love this podcast, guys. I've been listening from the beginning, like when you started off by telling scary stories. Love all the episodes, but my favorite is the two times you talk with Spencer Charnas of Ice Nine Kills. Keep up the great work, guys. Rating... Five stars. Yeah, Woo! Jeff AD 87. And another shout out for our buddy Spencer Charnas of Ice Nine Kills. Yes. If you aren't familiar yes. with Ice Nine Kills, you got to go out, get their album, The Silver Scream. It is a horror aficionado's dream band. It really is. Yes. It's so good. Jeff, thank you so much for listening for a long time. That's really awesome. We really appreciate the support. And 
taking the time. Both these people took the time to write us. But wait, we have another review, right? But wait, there's more! Ryan Strikes Back, <laughs> who says, frightfully fun. After putting off writing a review, I knew today was the day to do it. Because today... We saw the return oh, of Trevor Karaoke. I can't even see myself. He wrote that, so that's why I said that. Which leads me to the exact thing I love about this show. A beautiful cross-section of music and movies with a horror twist. I found the show when they had unique out of char- when they had a unique out-of-character interview with Internet Queen poppy and stayed when i saw the huge list of music and genre movie stars i have to thank the boo crew for turning me on to some of my favorite recent finds including the band ice nine kills we were just talking about and the haunting midsummer if you love movies or music with a horror twist this is a spot for you much love to lauren trevor and leo out in downtown Eagle Rock! <laughs> Rating five stars. Aw, you know what? I always nice. tell Ryan, I'm like, don't encourage this behavior. Like, please stop. <laughs> like, don't. But he really enjoys it. We'll save the scary for special times. Yes, So yes. it doesn't get tired yeah. and old. I mean, it is tired and old by nature, but yeah. we'll save it for All you, right. Ryan. <laughs> Thank you again for writing that really nice review. It makes me super happy. All of you. You guys are so great. If you want yes. your review read on the show, Apple Podcasts is the place. The Boo Crew is who we are. Moving forward, on this episode, actors and creators Jane Adams, Caitlin Scheel, and Amy Simons. Amy's new film she has written and directed is called She Dies Tomorrow. At time of release, it's now playing at drive-in theaters, and it's on VOD and digital August 7th. Hear about the horror movies that have inspired them, how their eerie and unsettling new film has unorthodox parallels to what's going on in the world right now, pushing the limits of sound, storytelling, and performance. This is a wonderful movie, and these are absolutely wonderful people we had a blast with them episode 146 starts now this is jane adams this is caitlin shield and i'm amy simons you are listening to another terrifying episode of the boo crew (laughs) (laughs) all right listen amy i'm really freaking out right now i feel like you put this idea of dying in my head can can you just call me back expecting someone? Hello, Jane. You okay? I just have this feeling I'm going to die tomorrow. But how do you know? I just know. Okay, so you don't know. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday I just thought for a second when the lights went out that that was it. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are three awe-inspiring creators, each with their own unique and bold vision. She is a Tony Award-winning actor for her work in 1994's An Inspector Calls. Her incredible resume includes some of the best-loved TV shows of all time. We're talking Tales from the Dark Side, Family Ties, Fraser, 2017's Twin Peaks. Her film work just as astounding with classics like Father of the Bride 2, the Golden Globe-nominated Happiness, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and 2015's Poltergeist. She herself getting a Golden Globe nod for her work in HBO's Hung. 
Also here is an actor, writer, and producer, a Tisch School grad with an encyclopedic knowledge of film, known for her work in over 70 projects in just over 10 years. Joe Swanberg's South by Southwest smash, Silver Bullets, Adam Wingard's multi-award winning You're Next, a favorite of ours, 2012's VHS, Netflix's Golden Globe winning House of Cards, and countless others. Finally, one of the genre's most revered artists. Her ingenious storytelling, painted with the broad strokes of imagination and inventiveness, is seasoned with her vast experience in all facets of the medium that has resulted in one of the most singular voices in cinema. She is at once an actor who has appeared in award-winning micro-budget indie films to horror favorites like Ty West's The Sacrament to the Golden Globe-nominated Netflix series The Killing. There is her unforgettable role in Stranger Things, bringing to life Rachel in a vastly emotionally draining performance in Kevin Kelch and Dennis Widmeyer's Pet Cemetery, and taking on the beloved Alien franchise in Ridley Scott's Alien Covenant. She is an editor. She has produced and written many features, shorts, and TV shows, one of which she created, ran, and directed the wildly successful and Golden Globe-nominated The Girlfriend Experience for stars, and her feature-length directorial debut, the critically acclaimed Sun Don't Shine. Our three guests have this wonderfully innate ability to dissolve into their roles, access emotion, reflect so deeply the essence of a narrative so that the viewer can become one with it, if that makes any sense. Films, when you walk out of the room, that, that never leave your back pocket. You talk about it. You meditate on it. And those are the reasons we truly love movies in the first place. Their new film, She Dies Tomorrow, does just that. Here to talk to us all about it. We are honored to welcome its stars, Jane Adams, Caitlin Scheel, and writer-director, Amy Simons. Yeah! Yeah! That was, that was yeah. fun! Yeah. Like, I want you around all the time telling me what's what. <laughs> I had a total out-of-body experience. I, I'm flying. I'm so high right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for being here from the bottom of our hearts and congratulations on the release of the movie. Now, we wanted to start off by saying, again, we are massive fans of not only this film, but of the work each and every one of you have done in the horror genre. So to break the ice here, what are each of your most memorable experiences of being first exposed to horror cinema at all as a viewer? We'll start with Jane. Uh, okay, Rosemary's Baby is the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, that was just my favorite. I just love, I still just regularly watch that film. It's just one of my favorite films. What is it about um, it that you gravitated it's toward? It's so scary, but it's also so funny. So uh, when Ruth Gordon, um, when Mia Farrow walks in and sees like what's going on, you know, with the crib and in the end. And she's got a knife and then she's stunned and she drops the knife. And then there's this great moment that even as a child, I was just like, oh, my God, that's so awesome that she did that. Where Ruth Gordon goes, you know, and the music's going like, and it's all so scary. But Ruth Gordon walks over and like picks up the knife and then just really quickly, like, you know, like fixes the floor, like just kind of like, oh, because it made a nick on the on the good hardwood floor. You know, and like Satan himself is just rocking as a baby. <laughs> exactly. I was like, well, that's like my mom. <laughs> How about you, Kate? You know, I can't remember what I feel like what I'm about to say. I probably had an earlier experience or film, but one of the most memorable early experiences was having a sleepover for like maybe my 11th birthday or something like that and inviting my like 
two friends over to my house and we watched The Exorcist and The Craft. And it was great. That's quite a double feature. I can do the covers. But yeah, that was what I chose to do for that, you know, momentous birthday. And uh, not much has changed. That still sounds like a good birthday to me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you, Kate, you ended up working in a video store for quite a while as well, right? So I would assume you made a lot of discoveries in the genre uh, during that time. Was there any favorites that stick out in your mind over the years? Sure. I feel like at that time, people were sort of interested in uh, Don't Look Now, you know, like the Nicholas Rogue movie or maybe touching more on some like an existential horror. I remember the Body Snatchers, Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake, like 70s horror was definitely a thing that people were talking about at that time. Donald Sutherland had like a really strong moment there. And Amy, yourself. My experience is it's, it's almost like a wash. I can't but I can't remember a specific one because it all sort of the early experiences all sort of aligned with my parents' divorce and my dad going through like a a midlife crisis. And whenever we'd go to his house, he was allowing us to watch whatever the hell we wanted. (laughs) My mom didn't like, and so we immediately went to like the horror section and I was so young. I mean like two, three years old and I had, but I had an older sister who was like, I know exactly (laughs) <laughs> and we'd go immediately to like to like the the horror section and we just like pull stuff off the shelves like what looks the scariest and we'd watch like hellraiser you know like all of these like 80s these 80s movies a uh, hellraiser the one that really stuck with me the gate but um but i but but my experience was just like a wash of like gluttonous like bachelor weekend with my dad of like eating like cheese whiz and uh, triscuits and pizza and chicken wings and just sitting inside all day and watching horror movies and then returning home to my mom and her being like, what the hell is wrong with you? I mean, and that, that was, that, that wasn't the only thing she was saying, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> but, so like, I don't know. It was just like nonstop horror when I'd go to my dad's house for about like three or four years, you know? Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. I mean, the, those exploratory days of having the video store and picking movies based on the box art in the horror movie section are the best. They simply are. <laughs> so NPR, okay. They're calling She Dies Tomorrow the most 2020 movie of 2020. <laughs> okay. A film emblematic of its era, much like Easy Rider or Wall Street. So obviously this film was completed before any notion of what the world is going through right now was to be realized at all. What do you guys think of the almost startling parallels that we are seeing with the movie and what we're in the middle of? It is really weird at once. At one point I called Amy, I mean, you know, now, and when it was clear the movie was coming out in this weird now, I called Amy and I said, I can't believe that I'm wearing rubber gloves. Like how, I couldn't even remember how that, and then it was like, oh yeah, because I break the glass and it was like, I want to, and I'm wearing, but I'm wearing rubber gloves. <laughs> it's it's such a bizarre, it's such a surreal thing, but like, you know, because like the, obviously that the, it's not, it's a, it's a movie about an idea spreading. And so like right now, what's interesting is it's like the, the weirdness of it is like, there's the very real fact of COVID spreading and that's like very real. It's very like serious, but then to watch sort of what the movie initially was about, there's like 
the real life, like catching the virus and the, the, you know, the healthcare workers that are dealing with it in an ever evolving sort of process of like trying to contain it. But then if you just like abstract it from the, from the actual virus COVID, there is this idea of COVID that's like on the news. And the idea of COVID is being spread in so many different fashions, you know, and that's sort of that that's been going on. The idea of something as a stay home, stay safe, like stay home, stay safe. Like there's just like so many, you know, it's like not the actual thing, but the idea spreading, whether whatever side you're on is like it's like you can pick any issue. And like and it's like the ideas that spread through the news are like not the actual thing. You know, like you're not actually talking about the actual thing. It's very confusing. But anyways, that that was sort of like what the impetus for the movie and sort of like these and then personal stuff. But like it's like that was sort of what we were talking about anyways. It's being called a horror film, although it's by far not the stereotypical horror film, but it is a story told very much in the language of horror. By the way, I was joking when I shouted "Stay home." Stay no, safe. it's okay. <laughs> it, it actually, I, I, I don't like that. I don't like being shouted at. Sure, all. sure. I tend to run outside when people. <laughs> but what is the palette that makes up the vocabulary of telling a story with horror techniques or, or you know, horror, horror storytelling devices? What does that mean to you? It's just utilizing sort of like innately in genre what why I like it is because there is built into it the a contract between the audience of like you came and we have a specific language that we use in horror or sci-fi um, in horror or thrillers. I'm we're communicating to you through it, you know, and so it's these tropes. Are, are a little bit of a like a relationship between the the filmmaker and the audience and like they get to play with each other and so you know no matter how you do it in genre and or you do like a very like straightforward horror movie or you you start to like sort of toy with the audience a little bit you're still using these tropes and so like i find that endlessly fascinating and why i like genre films is it's like they are very, it's a relationship between the filmmaker and the actors and the audience. You're having this like fun conversation. And, um, and so with the way that I like approaching stuff is like, even in their, in their performances, which they can talk about too, is like, is using, embracing the, those tropes, but spinning them on their heads and sort of like playing with the genre of like, I'm going to have this conversation with you audience and give you sort of like the ratcheting up of tension, but I'm going like the release as opposed to like the giant scares is going to be for me in this movie is sort of laughter in a way of like punching out and being like, I'm jolted. Why am I laughing? You know, and playing it with it like in a humorous way. I don't, if Kate and Jane want to say anything about that. I just feel like even visually you do that and that's something that you built into the movie from the beginning where you're playing with these um shout out to jay cast a spell to a certain jay of course jake i tell who shot the movie who's a, a genius that you sort of lean into the spell casting of uh the horror movie and then you sort of pull out and see the way that other people might uh, witness this strange behavior. So you're sort of in the moment, but then you also have, I guess, the punchline essentially of being like, oh, she's leaning against her wall, sort of touching it romantically. And if someone happened to like walk by and see her do that, that's a very strange thing to do, but it feels very right to her in the moment. I have to say 
that because it's also like a, my anxiety, like the, there was a, it was a no brainer that Kate's one in the movie, but it was also a no brainer that Jane's in the movie. Cause she's my personal friend. And she's the one that always is like, do you understand how funny it is? I know you're going through a hard time, but do you understand? <laughs> So it was like, like, because we're playing around with this, it's like, I was like, of course Jane's in the movie because this is like what happens with like, like, I'm like, Jane, I don't know what to do. And she's like, she's like, I know, but it's really funny. <laughs> That's awesome. We all need a Jane in our life. Damn it. Right. <laughs> well, I have some questions, like pointed questions about some specific performance things for Kate and Jane in a sec. But Leo, you had a question about for Amy here. I just have to say everything having amy and kate in their life too for real <laughs> yes we've known each other a long time yeah we have yeah sorry sorry uh leo Amy, so the movie plays out as a psychic contagion of sorts, which makes these characters turn reflective about their lives or very own current life situation where did the idea come from well i was dealing as i was saying it's um i, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and as kate and these are my real life friends as Kate and, and Jane can attest is like, I get very indulgent and I can't get my mind off of the anxiety and I want to talk endlessly about it. And what I realized is that like, it wasn't making my anxiety, they are very good friends to listen to me, but it wasn't making my anxiety better. I was just making them more anxious, you know, like I was making them anxious and I was spreading this. I mean, not to the extent of the movie, but obviously like movies, you just push things to the limit. But also in a way where I, I don't know what I was searching for by talking about it so much. And I realized what it was is like, God, I wish like I could take what I'm feeling and just like throw it on you real quick, not to like not pass it off, but give it to you real quick so you can go download it, feel it. I believe you and I understand what you're going through. And like because words just can't touch it. And so there's like sort of a sick gratification of in the movie of them being able to actually contract what the other person is actually feeling and going through, you know? Kate, there is this poignant scene of you at the beginning where you're standing, I believe it's at the sink and you're, you're kind of fighting back tears. You're trying to be strong, but yet you're completely overwhelmed. It goes back and forth, but you think you're just going to start bawling, but you, you stop yourself. Talk about filming that sequence and the dance that you had to play with, Amy to get there. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like that scene in particular, Amy and I talked about it and framed it sort of in this way of trying to grapple with the enormity of, of the situation and what she's uh, facing, but failing to do so. So sort of thinking, well, it would be, I should cry. What I should do now is cry. And then not really being able to get there, which also I think we thought was a funny idea. <laughs> um, but just the idea that if you were um, facing something so uh, enormous and something that we all sort of are, um, it's looming for, for everyone and we spend our lives either, you know, being obsessed with it or ignoring it or, or, or trying to distract ourselves or however, whatever your relationship to death is but that when this character is actually faced with it, she just kind of fails over and over again to um, have this sort of big moment or uh, gracefully tackle the thing. She just kind of throws things against the wall and none of them are really sticking. So she kind of tries to cry, tries to have this cathartic moment and then it just can't do it at that 
moment in the movie. That's what I, I love. Kate recently said one of the funniest things, which is like, it's, it's also innately sad and funny that like to the idea of failing on your last day and you know, you are <laughs> like, you know, that you're like, nothing's really like, like song will really, you know, I'll really feel this song. And then you're sort of like, no, I don't even, I, really. yeah. I don't feel anything. Yeah. Can't quite get there. The Boo Crew will be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the movie that Rex Reed called the most horrifying motion picture I have ever seen. This film is positively ruthless in its attempt to drive you right out of your mind. This is the horror movie to end them all. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. From New Line Cinema, rated R. No one under 17 admitted without parent or guardian. Jane, your arrival at Susan's birthday party is terrific. Feels almost embarrassingly real and almost improvised. How were you directed to get there? Does Amy tell you exactly what she wants or is it more of a collaborative effort? I think it's more just she casts so well. And and yes, always great at telling everyone what she wants and you know, communicating that. She's brilliant. But what's really fun is she just cast so well that she was like, as soon as Katie started laying into me, like you really, you, you know, it's just happening. And we were all having so much fun off camera. I had too much fun when we were shooting that scene. I was totally <laughs> unprofessional. Amy was, I don't know why Christmas, you know, I think it was because he was playing my brother and I, you know, I had a, I have a brother. I had a brother growing up that we were like, you know, like memorizing Monty Python records. And so, you know, Chris is playing my brother. So then we got to have that rapport and we were just church laughing like crazy. Cause it was just so funny. Like Jen Kim is so brilliant and tune day. Like the way they were listening to us was just, they were, I would look over and they just had that, those beautiful deadpan faces and I would just lose it. <laughs> Amy, you're dealing with a lot of intense anger and sadness in this story, really extreme emotions. And it's something you yourself have, have had to pull those elements out in many of your acting roles, like in the last sequence in the sacrament or all through Pet Cemetery, which is kind of like the Olympics of, of that. Is there a responsibility as a director to temper that once you yell cut, once you pull those those things out of someone, and once those emotions are freed and out in the space, th- those things become something that's a-, a little bit out of control in order to get there by very nature. Is there anything that you do at that point? With my very delicate actresses? <laughs> <laughs> he cracks the fucking whip. I slap him and I go, pull it together. Cracks the whip. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe this is a job. Put yeah. it together. Uh-huh. Uh, awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, you know, as somebody that, you know, has to do it, like it's a, it's both Kate and Jane have the incredible ability to, to go on screen. Cause they're, they're, they've, they're so well tuned and, and obviously have you, you listed their resumes. It's like they have their own mechanisms to get out of that if it's traumatic and I don't even notice. And I have the respect of like, you you are here, you've got your own mechanisms. I don't need to like cradle you right now. But it's um, also that you're an actress as well. Like Amy's such a good actress. It's nice working with an actress who's directing because she knows what we're doing. She's so familiar with the process and we know she's familiar with the process. So we don't have to explain much. She's- <laughs> and most Mozart's uh, Requiem in D plays such a big part in, in the film. Tell us about that song in particular and discovering that and, and using that as a, as a kind of reoccurring motif through the film. Oh, that was just the song that I was obsessively listening to in real life over and over, thinking that it was going to like solve my anxiety. Uh, you know, as you do when you get self-indulgent. Um, but also just in particular, I'm fascinated with, you know, writing a requiem in general of some the 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 idea of Mozart, like confronting his life. And then also the fact that Mozart's requiem like that was he died before it was completely finished. And that seems so appropriate to me, you know, and also in thinking about the film in general, it's like the the sort of tragedy about death sometimes is that it just it just kind of comes and goes that it's almost like mundane. Like, I mean, yes, the, there's like the the how it can be quite spectacular and scary and awful and, tra- you know, and all these things. But the actual like the, the feeling of death of like somebody's just gone. There's just like there's. <laughs> There's like a finished business to it. You know what I mean? If you had an opportunity, all of you, to find out if you were going to die tomorrow and then you could do whatever you want the day before and that night, would you choose to know or would you not want to know? I don't think I would want to know. I'd want to know. know. You'd want to know? Yeah. You could have such an amazing time. (laughs) 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 Because it's like the greatest excuse. Right. You know? It's like, and, and, and who could deny you what you wanted That's in true. your final moments, you know, as long as, I mean, how fun to be super healthy and be, I mean, I guess that's why I get mad at stay home, stay safe. Cause it's like, I might die. I might die. I'm not going to spend my last day under the covers. Shut up. Like, I, okay, fine. You know, math and thing, but like, I'm going out. So. Amy? Oh, um, I, uh, I don't think I would know because I think I would be paralyzed by the idea. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it would be the way that I am already. If I get like with my existential dread where it's like, because of the enormity of it, my brain would be like, would be sitting here and I'd be like, I should go. Yeah. I should go surfing. And then my brain would like just drift off into like, (laughs) Wait, is that really what I want to do? And then I'd argue with myself about what I'd want to do, and I wouldn't do anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like trying like to choose a movie on Netflix. About her screenplay and like this movie that Amy's made is that, and I think I read this somewhere also, but I, I had been thinking about it, but I have to give credit to whichever, I think I read somebody wrote something about the movie and mentioned this kind of thing where, what I feel like what she's cat and I thought it was genius is like 
I feel like what she's captured is, you know, maybe you would do nothing. Like, would you just like, maybe I'd be comfortable just getting back into bed and being on the computer. Okay. For instance, the other night there was a, you know, pretty big earthquake. Like it woke up, my bed was totally shaking. And it was, you know, in the middle of, it's always like every day is like, what's next, you know? So then I'm laying there and the bed's totally really moving and um, stuff on my dresser's moving a little bit. And I just, I was so tired. I just was like, well, I guess this might be the end. Like, what do you do about it? Right. Yeah. Like when I, I didn't have the energy to even go under a door jam. Yeah. Like I, or, <laughs> Are you supposed to do that? Like, I'm always confused on Earth. Oh, like when you run to the door jam? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's <laughs> I thought maybe you exactly. don't do that anymore. No, right. Like, who knows? And so you just lay there and it's like, oh, maybe, you know, the canyon across the highway is going to melt down on top of me right now. Like, and maybe the whole building's going to. But I don't. I What can I do? Yeah. yeah. But- I completely had. So this is because the world is so surreal to me right now. I woke up in the middle of the night and it just sounded like the walls were expanding like that. I just couldn't figure out what was happening. And I was like, are those ghosts? Like I literally, like it wasn't, I live in California. I know that earthquakes happen, but my first reaction wasn't, oh my God, an earthquake, which is very logical, but things are so surreal that like the logical thing in my head was ghosts came. <laughs> well, aliens are real. The COVID thing's going on, and there's ghosts. So there we go. Now yeah, we, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think this is probably one of the only films that scared the shit out of us just with its titles and uh, and credits, how they come on. And you use this technique kind of a lot in the film where things are pin drop quiet and you play with sound, or, or your uh, score is going on, and you just cut it right in the middle and go into something else. It's very abrupt and, and jarring. And it's part of the emotional roller coaster that you get from experiencing the film. What was your intention of playing with those, those elements? Because again, with, 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 with horror and with the genres, I mean, the, one of my favorite thing about horror films is there's, they push the sound design so far, you know, like they get so experimental and so uh, for lack of a better term, rock and roll with the sound design a way that a lot of dramas don't and so it's just like fun to play that way and like go into a sound into my sound design with mary ellen porto who is brilliant and she's like is this too far and i'm like no let's go and she's like yes like we can go like as far as we possibly want and push it to these limits because that's what horror films do and it's fun to and that's like part of the reason that the horror horror films work is because of the the way that sound is. If you just cut to another shot, mm-hmm. then no one would have the jump scare. So half of the half of genre, not even half, probably like seventy five percent is that sound design. Yes, Amy. Uh, the movie shows us some duality in colors, such as the reds and blues and lights at times. Talk about the incorporation and meaning of it in the film. I guess the thing I was trying to reach was an ecstatic sort of uh, like sense a sensory like an experience of for somebody of what they're experiencing and so just like the bright colors and the you know and the pulsing um which i don't know neon may, might be able to answer this um but there might there probably should be a seizure warning on it not just because <laughs> of, not just because of the, the, the visual of the flashing lights but also 
the sound design starts to get extremely intense and vibrational at that point too. But uh, it, it, that for for us, it was trying to, and with Jay, I mean, Jay is just a genius and I've worked with him for, for God, 17 years now. Yeah. And, um, and, and he's also, like I was mentioning Mary Ellen Porter, he's also my buddy who I trust so much that it's so fun because we already get each other from working. And I feel the same way about Jane and Kate. We already get each other that we don't, that without, without so many words, we don't have to explain like what we're doing. We already get it. So once, so now that we don't have to waste time explaining, getting on the same page, now we can push it to like this wild level. And we both trust each other so much that it's like, he's like, can, is he's like always, they always say, is this too far? And I'm like, no, go for it. Like we're, we're doing like the same with like performance, like, with Jane and Kate, it's like, is that too much? And it's like, no, let's go. Let's ride. This is fun. Like you, I trust all you guys and all your instincts are so brilliant that like, I want you to like have fun and like go as far as we possibly can. And I'll rein it in when it gets, you know, when it gets out of hand, but like, that's the fun of working with people that are so brilliant is you can really let them play too and like trust their instincts. You know, it's fun working with friends like Kate and I, when we were first shooting that scene and, you know, where she's laying on the floor in that gorgeous dress and her gorgeous self. And we, it was the first day, like, we didn't know, we didn't really even know where the film was going to go, like what at all. And we looked at each other and it's like, this is so fun because we just totally trust Amy. So we'll just have fun, you know, saying these lines and call it a day and she'll figure something out. (laughs) (laughs) Amy, as a writer, have you thought about where the story goes after this story ends no you mean like is there a sequel to it jane wants a tv show there's totally a series are you kidding me (laughs) yeah it could be a total series you want like it actually lends itself to that um let's all make some money guys right (laughs) (laughs) kate what do you think of this this film was originally going to be you know, something that could be a theatrical experience sitting in a theater and, and, and screening it there. And now for the most part, it's it's going to be a journey taken in the privacy of one's home and, and not only likely not with friends, but more likely with your immediate family or or a loved one or a husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend. How do you think that that intimacy with the content plays out or maybe even elevates some of the elements that are inside? Yeah, I mean... First of all, I'll say I think it's great that it's playing at drive-ins. Yes. Uh, it's so good that you got a wind machine for this today. <laughs> <laughs> really <weird. laughs> Everywhere I go. I think it's great that it's playing at drive-ins. I think it's like the sound design is so incredible. I think it will be a really cool experience for people in terms of watching it at home. Yeah, I would imagine that it's uh, dependent on the person, but like it is so it does speak to our current state of kind of free floating anxiety that it might uh, it might seem like a sort of seamless viewing experience. But I'm sure it could be strange to watch with your family, perhaps. But I I think good. I think it really like does lend itself to the current moment. Things are so weird. They are. No, it's it's incredibly surreal. And it was really surreal to sit, you know, I, I know I was sitting with my, my wife here and to watch that movie and the questions that it brings up afterwards and the things that you think about. 
constantly. There's uh, moments of dialogue. There's there's one um, there's one piece of dialogue in particular that I was thinking about when two uh, there's a couple sitting at a table and one's like, you know, all the stupid stuff that I talk about, like the dolphins, the you know the sexual <laughs> habits of dolphins and all this stuff. It's just so stupid. It was so meaningless. And he goes, no, that that's the stupid stuff I love. And it kind of, you know, makes you think that maybe it is those little things in the end that do matter the most. You know, you know, there's a lot to unpack in the movie that that sticks with you, I guess, is my point. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. I was going to bring it to Jane, but like that's like sort of actually Soderbergh and I had this discussion because he has this new movie coming out that I love. It might be my favorite of his that's uh, called Let Them All Talk that he shot on a cruise ship. And it's like. Candace Bergen and and um, and Meryl Streep. Kate's my Meryl Streep. Um, but uh, but I, we were talking about, and he's like, "That's what life is. You just have these series of conversations. I tell you how my day is. You tell me. We get a beer, and then we like go home. And that's the stuff that like ends up being the importance of all these other like things. It's just like you know that it's like all that the mundaneness of what is really beautiful about life is 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 stuff like that the stupid shit of like laughing i mean we laugh so hard about dolphin fucking in <laughs> you know what i mean and that's like the beautiful yeah. stuff that we, we, were, we had like a whole text stream for a couple of days after that just sending each other crazy pictures of dolphins having sex with people. <laughs> oh my gosh, can that be on like the DVD after like yeah, and, and, but then, yeah, but then it would be mixed in with like who sings the song about dolphins? Is it Jeff Buckley? Like somebody like, it, I mean, it included music videos and everything. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of weird here, uh, Kate, your character Amy believes her destiny is to become a specific object. No spoilers. Uh, why do you think she was so obsessed with such a grim decision? I mean, it's all Amy. She fully wrote that and came to me with it. And I, I love the idea to have such a sort of specific and bleak goal and again i think it's just like not really knowing what to do when confronted with a situation that is so um enormous just something that you can't entirely wrap your mind around that you would be like well i guess yeah i could i could live on in some way if i were to do and again i guess we're not saying what the uh what the object is but i think we thought it was a very funny idea it's uh, hours with accomplishing this goal that won't matter the following day. Yeah. Right. Speaking of not, it's Tim Buckley. Tim Buckley. Know? Okay. Yeah. Everyone following along at home. I wanted to wrap it up with one last thing that is not really related to this movie in, in particular, but to you guys as, as creators and, and as very busy creators and prolific ones. Outside of the myriad of projects that you all have going on and being constantly busy, and I, I know with Amy as well, and, and show running and doing all these other additional things, how important is it to find time to live outside of the chaos and work in terms of just being able to, like, do you is schedule time to experience life in order to fuel the creative process? Does that become a challenge to find moments where you just get to put everything at rest and just absorb and consume so you, that you can spit it out later? I'm learning to do that. I was a little compulsive in the past. I have to train myself to calm down. You know, and I have to train myself to 
that I mean, because for so, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard because I think all of us, because we're so passionate and again, like, it's like, I get to make films with my friends. Why wouldn't I want to do that 24 seven, you know? Uh, but like, but I, I think all of us are the, the like live to work type, you know, as opposed to work to live. And oh, so you wow. actually have to, yeah, you actually have to like force your like last year was the first time I was like, I'm going to go on vacation. And my my body and brain were like, is this OK? Like, it, I was like, are, should you use your phone and film something? So there's at least like media, like, should you be writing about this experience? Should you be, you know, and it's just like, no, just like put on some goggles and look at coral reefs and fish like that's OK. Like go swim with the turtles. That's okay. You know, like it's a really wild thing, but I've had to forcefully do it for myself. I go for long walks and hikes in the canyons and try to bring friends along. But if nobody wants to go, then I've got audiobook, you know, or just quiet and think. I mean, it is amazing how you can be hectic inside your head, but drive to a beautiful place and just walk for miles and miles. And especially if you add some elevation, you know, if you're pushing yourself to go up hills at the end of it, you think, what was I worried about? You know, you're actually alive and you've been breathing and, you know, breathing. It's wild to just breathe. (laughs) Kay, how about you? Yeah. I'd say that I'm still uh, in hot pursuit of the peace of mind that you're (laughs) talking about Jane yeah over this you know collective experience we're having I've found it very difficult to concentrate and you sort of have these ideas of well now we're sort of forced to be at home wouldn't it be wonderful if I just consumed all of the great works of art that I could get my hands on but uh, you know my anxiety level is so high that it's a little bit difficult to um sit down and and tune in and and be with myself but I'm working on it. Walks are great. Walks are really helpful. We're going to have one now that we've all said this. We got to get together and do that. Do our, our, yeah. Have another annual. We have lots of over the years. We've had some great hikes together with some great photos to prove it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> nice. We need our post release of Amy's movie, Walk. Well, you guys, thank you so much for taking the time yes. to spend with us and doing this today. We really appreciate it. And we absolutely love the film and all that you guys do. Yes. You guys are so great. Like, you're really great. You're fun to listen to. And you're so smart. And you know everything. Like, oh, I love oh, wow. <laughs> No, but really. And now it's our turn to do your introduction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I'm your biggest fan now. Oh, that means oh, everything yeah. to us, nice. you guys. That was the Boo Crew Podcast episode 146. Special thanks to our guests, Jane Adams, Caitlin Scheel, and Amy Simons. See She Dies Tomorrow, a time of release at Drive-In Theaters Now and on VOD and Digital August 7th. If you like this episode, check out episode 22 with Ty West and episode 65 with Jocelyn Donahue. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Oh, God. (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow 
us on Twitter at Tales from the Moon. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, for horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.